What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome back, Ghostbusters out there in the world. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet with his proton pack fired up, Drew Douglas. Mm, Yeah, I got my trap ready, got my proton pack on. I'm ready to go. It's been charging for years now, and so long as we don't cross the streams, I think we'll be okay. It's been charging up for what? 32 years now yeah, yeah. <laughs> waiting to be fired up again well we were talking about that before starting this recording but just our kind of the lore of ghostbusters but also like our connection with ghostbusters and the franchise itself it's doesn't it feel kind of weird that this is we've only had four ghostbusters movies like four in my lifetime total yeah doesn't that feel weird? It's strange because it's such a huge like brand, I feel like. Yeah. That we're only, at this point in 2021, coming out with the third official like canon film. And it's, uh, there's something about that, like walking into the theater and seeing this movie, to me, felt like, I feel like we should be deep into this as deep as we are with Star Wars. Because... There's the actual brand that Dan Aykroyd owns that's Ghost Corp, which is what technically has the their hands in the pot of the animation and the mm-hmm. comics and things like that. But did you watch the cartoons and read comics and anything else like that? Or were you just strictly movie Ghostbuster fan? I watched the real Ghostbusters, which was the animated like spinoff show that I think ran from like the mid 80s to early 90s. I remember mm-hmm. watching that a lot. I would love to rewatch that. I believe they have most episodes on like iTunes that you can buy or like Amazon Prime. Um, comics, I never, I never got into. I had a lot of toys. I had a proton pack. I had like the trap. Uh, I was telling you, I remember as a child wearing the proton pack outside waiting for the ice cream man because they had like Slimer ice cream yeah, on the stick and they had the one with like the logo and I told you you just unwrap it and it would never quite looked right. <laughs> but I had, I have such fond memories of just really being obsessed with this brand growing up and it's like in my DNA. And I told you a lot of people rip on Ghostbusters 2, like Ghostbusters is the standard. Ghostbusters 2 gets crapped on a lot. That came out in 89. It was on home video in the early 90s. That's the one I remember watching and kind of obsessing mm-hmm. over the most growing up, which is maybe uh, to some degree why I have such high regard for the second one when a lot of people don't, or maybe mm. just like some vocal people don't. I think the first two thirds of that movie are actually really good. We rewatched the original 84 movie, the 89 one, and then obviously Afterlife, to get ready for Afterlife. I still stand by Ghostbusters too. I, I think that one's awesome. 
Yeah, it has been a while since seeing the second one, but there is something about the New York scenes that seem extra Ghostbustery and extra extra New Yorky in the second movie. Like both are so prominently set in New York, and mm-hmm. that's like going back and looking at it. I, and it was also weirdly enough because this is at a time where New York was so crime ridden. And it was so just kind of sleazy. Yeah. It's that. scuzzy, but not scuzzy in a way that I told you I rewatched Mean Streets mm-hmm. this past weekend. And that's like a decade before Ghostbusters. And that's like disgusting. <laughs> this is a different kind of scuzzy, but in a way that I look back fondly on because the movies that I loved growing up, that's the New York that it looked like. Yeah. But like the way Ghostbusters opens in the library, like I, it's all about... Like that all feels like home to me for whatever reason. I guess it's just from watching it mm-hmm. a thousand and one times. In the past three months, I've seen Ghostbusters twice already. It's just like something about these movies are just so easy to rewatch. And uh, even though you know everything that's going to be said and you know how the story is going to play out, it's just something about it. It's one of the few movies for me, at least, that I can rewatch. Um, I would say almost back to back and not get sick of it. There, there's something comforting about the movies. So now I'm really curious and I have been really, really anxious to find out what you have to say about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And you know one thing about too, about Ghostbusters too, it's set like during Christmas slash New Year's. Yeah, that's right. It's not like a heavy Christmas movie in, in the, it doesn't lean into it heavy, but you notice like Christmas trees and wreaths and uh, it's always something I forget until it starts. I'm like, oh, and that, you know what? You know how I feel about pop culture <laughs> yeah. content that takes place during the holiday, specifically Christmas time or Halloween, but in this case, Christmas. I just, it adds on to something that I just absolutely love about it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't know. These are all maybe superficial things, but I just, I, I have a huge fondness for this entire franchise and these characters and Dan Aykroyd, who I just think is, super awesome in so many different ways. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I would say that I am a super fan. What are you? I say super fan, but if you ask me deep, to, like super tough questions, I probably wouldn't be able to answer it. Well, that's funny because through that, uh, you know, I can't, I would say like a leisure fan, but as a kid, I got so wrapped up in the idea of wanting to be like a ghostbuster, like an actual strap on the proton pack, dress up in a jumpsuit that act. And in reality, it's real. It though They just look bland. They're just janitor <laughs> jumpsuits, you know, but at the same time, as a kid, I wanted to look like that. I wanted to go out and bust the ghost uh, alongside this group, uh, this quartet. And I just love the idea of, you know, how strong of, it really speaks volumes for how strong of a story Aykroyd had. Um, and just the fact that we're still like so obsessed with this in a ways. Um, but I would say a leisure fan because I'm, I liked it. Uh, and it's weird because in the beginning, uh, like you, I watched the second movie a lot, but it's been years since seeing it. And I can't even remember the last time I, I've watched the second one. I have seen the first one more, but over time, my, I'm not going to say interest has waned. It's just that I guess I've shelved it. I've put it 
like in a stack of nostalgia where every once in a while I'll go back to and I'll reach and grab that and then I'll enjoy it. But I don't necessarily cling to that. Like I know some have with being like it's their franchise. I do see it fondly. I don't have anything negative to say about it by any means, but um, as a kid, I did get wrapped up and, you know, running around. It was never like stranger things, like going out on bikes and dressing up in the, and as a ghostbuster. But weirdly enough, I was also in my neighborhood, kind of like the kid that was like the ghostbuster of the group. The one that was always wanting to do that kind of thing. Everyone else was like, I'm not going to say into playing sports like like they they weren't against dressing up as ghostbusters or something like that but i was a kid who had come out of the house looking like that like a ghostbuster and then everyone else would come out like looking like a normal kid (laughs) (laughs) so um for that it was i i mean i definitely i love what the first two movies what they did and I was I was actually excited for the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters just to see what they could do with it and the new directions that they could take it. But um, so when this movie came out and them announcing, it, I thought cool. But as it got closer, I was getting more and more and more amped up for it. And then um, especially when you told me, you texted me because you saw it before I I got to. You said there are two post-credit scenes. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know we're we're expanding this universe into um, like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but at at that point, it got me excited, and no joke, I I told Jesse, our uh, friend and listener, that today um, I went online and I saw the post-credit scene the final post credit scene. And then not only that, but also a spoiler for the end of the movie. And that was like an hour or two hours after seeing it. So had I not watched it? And I texted you, I said, I'm worried about it getting spoiled for the post credits. And then like later that night, it was like freaking Google, just listened to my voice and pulled it up because it literally said spoilers, but the image the still gives it away. We're at a point in time where if you have to use the internet whatsoever, you have to go see a movie on a Thursday night if you do yeah. not want anything spoiled because it's unavo- unavoidable, whether it's a headline or I've seen so many things like what you just said where it doesn't spoil it in the headline, but it's like, see who died. And then it's an image of a person that's <laughs> like, okay, that person's probably clearly the one who died. <laughs> you, you see like uh, a major character snapping his fingers and you're like, oh, oh, great. That's fantastic. We don't. We know that it's not Thanos, but we know it's this other character we've spent years with. Um, I, I'm I'm really anxious to hear what you have to say about Ghostbusters Afterlife. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into that now, and we'll start off with stats. Should Ghost- we sound the spoiler alarm? By the way, like right now, because even in the cast list, it's probably a massive spoiler for some people. So okay. To us talk about this then um like you've probably already seen it <laughs> okay i'm glad you brought that up because i do also yes i do have a non-spoiler and a spoiler version as well so let's go ahead and do that so hit those alarms it's spoiler time um 
First and foremost, Ghostbusters Afterlife was released in theaters on November 18th with a budget of $75 million. Opening weekend, it made $44 million, more than half of that back. And it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think this has long legs because we're going in Thanksgiving. Uh, mm -hmm. Families, this is 100% a family movie. Um, this was is written and directed by Jason Reitman, who in close guidance with his father, Ivan, who directed the OG Ghostbusters. They, you can see so many photos and, and behind-the-scenes video of them working together. And uh, Jason even said that his dad worked alongside him in so many of the shots where he was over, literally looking over his shoulder um, and pretty much throughout the entire film. But I believe I know, they got, I, and I'm being serious, he, he mentioned there were some heated arguments <laughs> <laughs> about how to handle certain things, but ultimately it is his film. So he gets final say, but he was open. Yeah, it does, it does get a little testy. That's fun because it truly is a family affair where they ended up working on this together on a family movie. And it fe I really think that bleeds through in the DNA big time. Um, and then the other writer is Gil Keenan, who worked with Jason on the script. So of the cast, we've got Carrie Coon playing Callie, Paul Rudd playing the one and only Gary Gruberson, Mr. Gary Gruberson. Gary! <laughs> Gigi coming in. Finn Wolfhard playing Trevor. And then Kenna, McKenna Grace playing Phoebe. Um, we also have, this is where the spoilers come in, massive spoilers. Because we've got OG characters, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and it's a ghostly version of Harold <laughs> Ramis. So we get the OG Ghostbusters back in action, standing side by side, and boy, oh boy, was that a treat. Um, Don't forget, we got Sigourney Weaver, Annie Potts. That's right. No, I, I could have sworn Rick Moranis was in this movie. Like, had said he was in it. That, no Rick yeah. Moranis. That was a huge bummer. I was thinking for sure he was going to be in it too. But yeah, I was uh, I was really looking forward to some Rick. Just even a little bit, but no Just dice. Just a little bit. The Sigourney one was funny because she's not in the movie. And then you get to the end credits and it says <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. And I look at my wife and I go... Where the heck was Sigourney Weaver? And then she's in, <laughs> she just shows up on the screen. I was like, okay, there we go. Yeah, that I thought the same thing because, uh, yeah, and you see and Sigourney Weaver. I'm like, what? And then it flashes to her. I'm like, oh, that's that cool. A good, it was yeah. a good little twist. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and that the chemistry between her and Bill Murray is just still awesome. I love it. I'd watch a movie just of them too. Um, just flip, flip all they have to do they it's it's um it's Sigourney Weaver and she's testing Bill Murray on what objects can he guess are written down on the cards. That's it. It's the only movie that we need next. Uh so Rotten Tomatoes, we will get into our final grade at the end of this um recording, but uh real quick, Rotten Tomatoes critics 62%, audience 96%. We don't have to give away our final grade, but Drew, where do you land? Are you closer with how the critics are feeling or closer to how the audience is feeling? I got to be honest with you. I'm completely surprised that this score has gone down so much for critics. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm saying is I am on the side 
of the audiences. I really like this movie. I agree. I'm, I'm on the same side with you. I When I saw that score, the original score, because it was like 77% or something like that, and that was coming after CinemaCon, and after hearing that initial response and seeing that it was 77 by critics, I'm like, what? That's weird. And then, like, of course, well, but then again, CinemaCon, is, that's for movie theater owners, but not critics. And so then as it keeps dropping, I'm like, that's weird. Uh, I wonder it had why. I've had like fans there though, because I remember specifically it screened and I kept reading over and over like people were walking out, like fans were walking out just and they had cried. <laughs> Very emotional movie, they said. So I was like, oh wow, I wonder what, wonder what happens. Yeah. So people who love the franchise had to have been there. Yeah, yeah, very true. And that's where, like, after hearing that, I thought, why is it, like, what's going on here? And so I I totally agree. I'm confused, actually, by why critics are hating on this. And I'm in the audience camp 100% of the way. Um, this is a very fun movie. Uh, there's one, I do have uh, kind of one major complaint. But other than that, it's hard for me to find much wrong with this movie. I figured we could, you know, let's do some loves, hates. We got a lot to talk about. There's a, a lot of um, fun things in this movie. Let's do the idea behind why and when this story picks up. Because again, this is only the second official sequel to the 84 movie. Mm-hmm. It picks up 32 years after Ghostbusters 2. Do you love the the plot, basically, of why we are jumping back into the universe of Ghostbusters? Do we need to explain that, by the way? <laughs> the plot of this film? The plot? Yeah. Uh, probably. Is, yeah. It's fairly simple. According to the, the old trusty Wikipedia, I'll just look real quick. A single mother and her two kids moved to a small town in Oklahoma where they discovered their connection to the original Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy. Grandfather being the awesome Egon Spangler, played by Harold Ramis, in the first two movies. So that's what gets this story moving. Um, did you like it? This is interesting because I, I yes, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll say yes. I did like it. I loved it. If I if I had to choose between loves hates, I'll say yes. I loved well, it. What's your hesitation? I feel like you got some hesitation. My hesitation is just the fact of it's it's interesting that we have not seen these characters in so long. And yet there's like this big falling out, which I get. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get. But at the same time, there's, um, I don't know. I guess then again, it's almost like you don't want to see friends, especially like what you consider to be like these lifelong friends. And then they split up. And it's like, what was yeah. it? Uh, Dan Aykroyd in this, He his one of his final words uh, to McKenna Grace on the phone is uh, to Phoebe is he can rot in hell or something like that. <laughs> well, he picks up the phone. She asks about Egon Spangler and, and he he says he can rot in hell and then calls him an a-hole. <laughs> uh, I have the same reservations, which at one point Phoebe ends up in, in jail, calls Ray. That's her one phone call. He's running his occult bookstore in New York City that we're introduced to in Ghostbusters 2. And then he proceeds without even questioning, like, who is this person calling me? He spends five minutes just like info dumping the whole, 
<laughs> history, like the last 10 plus years of the Ghostbusters, which I think it's interesting that this movie change, completely changes settings. Um, mm. But it, in order for that to happen, the Ghostbusters apparently have had a falling out, especially between Ray and Egon. Um, because Egon is tracking some world-ending event involving ghosts that he believes is on the horizon. I, I guess my thing is like, so Ray, he has a fight with Ray. Egon splits in the middle of the night with Ghostbusters equipment, and then you, they just never speak. They haven't spoken in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Ray, So Ray is questioning whether Egon is right. I feel like I need to watch this scene again because yeah. what doesn't track with me is these characters have known each other. They knew each other prior to the 1984 movie. They were already friends working together. This place takes place in 2021. It's literally three decades after the fact. I, I, I just feel like if my close friend that I knew for a long time had serious thoughts about what could be happening, especially with ghosts, like this is an actual thing that has happened numerous times, um, I would take him seriously. And mm-hmm. it's, it's weird to me that Ray, like they had a falling out over this event that was on the horizon. I don't understand why that happened. It doesn't track with the history of these characters. I feel like it would have made more sense if maybe they're willing, they're like, I, I just want to give this up. I don't want to ghost bust anymore. Egon can wants to do it. And he, he sacrifices his life with his family and his friends to be like, I'll go basically be the Desmond on the Island of lost <laughs> right? and just save the planet over and over again. If, if that's what I have to do, I guess what it comes down to is I didn't like that. They made Egon out to be the bad guy, even yeah. though he's right. He's the one that like bolts and they, they don't like him. I just don't, I, something about that does not feel right to me. Yeah. That's, that's where I hesitate because I, I love the story overall, but that's the one thing I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not so sure I'm picking. I, I, uh, I don't, Does I'm it, not a huge fan of that part. Because getting the family to Oklahoma, I love, I love how the family's introduced and like they're all, there's this connection yeah. they're unaware of. And it's what drives the movie for. And it's just how we got there. I, I don't really, I just don't like, I don't yeah. like it. It feels icky to me. I also think too, can we rearrange the phone call? He's about ready to hang up and she just blurts out, I'm his granddaughter. And then he can info dump all he wants. Why? Who on earth? Why is he just dump, just literally <laughs> for 10 minutes just spilling the beans on the Ghostbusters life? It like makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. And they're it, easy fixes to do in a movie. Just rearrange the dialogue a little yeah. bit. Could, yeah, honestly, that boils down almost an edit at that point. It's so weird. I hate when movies do that. And yeah, that's where um, it just seemed uh, that was stiff. That was the one thing that it was um, uh, that I hesitate on. Other than that, yeah, I I love the, how the family's introduced. Um, how we get uh, various, we get Annie who walks in, and then we get um, the uh, the town how that's set up, and you could tell like it was interesting because. The way Jason directs and the way he sets the shots, he makes it his own movie 
And it, I think the Oklahoma setting also helps and where it doesn't seem like we're repeating it, but he does it in a way that you could tell he comes from the school of filmmakers where he's been inspired by movies like what his dad's done. That's cool. You can see that in the DNA of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a of the two prior films, it is a better looking movie. Yeah. So, Do you question, so Carrie Coon is the mom in this. She plays Callie. She's the daughter of Egon Spangler, the estranged daughter. What, it, I guess by happenstance, we're introduced to them and they're like being evicted from their apartment in, I don't even know, where are they living? I guess it doesn't Chicago. matter. Chicago, I think it's Chicago. Is this Chicago? Which yeah. again, a nod to Harold Ramis. They're getting evicted. It just happens to be a time when Egon has passed away and they inherit all this home in Somerville, Oklahoma. Um, they are basically broke. And I'm like, what is what is she doing with her life? <laughs> like, what's her what's her occupation? And why can't she have any money? Like, what's going yeah. on? I understand you have two kids, but how do you have how are you destitute? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did that, you wonder at all like the history of this character? I did. I was very curious. Because we don't like, get much. You, I'm like, life choices. What are you doing? And you <laughs> make some changes. Which it's all about to turn around when she meets Gary Gruberson. Ooh, the old Gary. So the mood, this, as we mentioned, the first two movies set play take set place. They take place in uh, New York City. Very mm. infamous setting. Very much Ghostbusters. We flip it. We're moving this fictional town in Somerville, Oklahoma. It's the complete opposite of New York City. Loves, hates on that. I will say I loves, and here's the reason why. In the trailers, I did not. I was not a huge fan. I thought, man, this seems really, I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like, it could be cool, but I'm not buying it. It's all in context. I'm 100% cool with it because of Egon and why he ended up going there. Um, and... It that I'm like, all right, sold. It's all it's kind of explained in a one sentence log line of this is why he's here and this is why they have to go, which I knew they were going there to, you know, pick up the pieces of a passing. But uh also I do think, as you said, it looks really good. I think this allows for Jason to set the stage to make it feel like a Ghostbusters, but look different than a Ghostbusters movie. And that I, I really liked. So yeah, I love that big time. I do too. Do you think at any point in your life you would live in <laughs> a town like Somerville, which is um, seems very small, doesn't seem very wealthy in really any way. There is, a, we talked about this before, where we see ourselves living down the line. And mm-hmm. I was at some point, I want to do an ocean next. We're in the mountains now. I want to do the ocean at some point, but I wouldn't mind living in a very small town like this. Um, what about you, Somerville? I don't know about Somerville necessarily, but yeah, there is kind I of laughed, like yeah. a, there's like a dumpy like beauty to it for some reason. <laughs> that's because there is a lot of scenes where they're like up in the little mountain area, and I'm like, oh wow, that's like really that's very pretty. And now, I, I I know they shot this in like Canada, so it's not really Oklahoma, <laughs> but. If that's what Oklahoma looks like, which you lived in Tulsa, does it look anything mm-hmm. like this? That's the thing. Like uh, in Oklahoma and of spending time there, living there for a little while, that they do have gorgeous sunsets because of the plains. And 
I think because of that, it's amazing to, and sunrises, but sunsets are, are amazing, are just the best. Um, I couldn't see, and it's weird because with this, uh, I kept thinking in my mind, this is still water and Matt Damon's character is going <laughs> to pop up. Um, I'm waiting for a Sonic to be in the background. They didn't have any yeah. of those. Uh, and, and instead, they've got spinners or later it becomes sinners. But um, yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't, but it's there is like a quality to them. Like, all right, that's cool. Like, I could see where um, it it could attract someone. I will say, and this is a sequel uh, we saw in Quiet Place Two, Part Two. But in the beginning of that, where they live, I could mm-hmm. see myself. And you mentioned that before. Like, you could see uh, yourself and Lexi living somewhere that's kind of like an East Coast type, small town, something like yeah. that. I'm thinking uptown up, or upstate New York. Yeah, but then that's what I envision. But yeah, um, not that's just it's just a li- that's for us, li- you know, you listeners, you can get to know us a little better. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sitting there watching this movie going, it's actually kind of pretty. I don't think I would live there, but there are moments where I was like, oh wow, right. Yeah. All right. Loves hates the shift toward the next generation of Ghostbusters, which includes Egon's grandchildren, Phoebe and Trevor, and two other kids. Uh, there's also also the addition of Paul Rudd as seismologist Gary Gruberson, <laughs> which sounds like they were probably drunk when they came up with that. <laughs> and then uh, the fantastic Carrie Coon, as we mentioned, Callie Spangler. I love, I really do. I think that I especially love kind of the shift to, uh, and I know it follows in line of Stranger Things. It's I'm okay with that. I'm, yeah, I'm okay with that too. I'm, I'm cool with that. And it's so funny because of how much Ghostbusters and the Proton Packs and dressing up for Halloween was featured in Stranger Things season two. But um, I, I dig that. And also there's something about, uh, and I'll go ahead and take this time to gush on Paul Rudd, but he is like the most likable guy. Yes. Like, like watching this, it's like, how can you hate Paul Rudd? Even you if he was smashing he, your like, mom. <laughs> well, I'd let him. Do you ever worry <laughs> that he's just like a huge a-hole in real life? Because I'm watching this going, man, this guy is so nice. I hope that nothing ever comes out where we find out he's a monster. Like he's like Matt Lauer. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. I cannot. He's got, a butt, he's got a little button under his desk that he just locks he, the door with, and he just yeah, he turns into this massive Bond villain. You know, I I hope not because I freaking love Paul Rudd. I uh, and just like watching this in here, he I no joke in the theater. I was it was like every time he was on screen, I was laughing. I, I, I love the the gags where he keeps showing them. It, it was Cujo, and then the child's play one. <laughs> It really, I l- had a genuine belly laugh with that. Yeah, I, I and did I too. liked too because I thought he was going to be like this little, this sloppy teacher mm-hmm. that didn't care. He's actually very intelligent. He just didn't necessarily want to be at summer school. Right. Yeah. So I like that. I thought Carrie Coon was awesome. I like her um, personality in relationship to Gary Gruberson. I thought um, one one smart thing I like about this movie is the first hour or so. It really takes its time setting the story up in terms of we get to know the characters quite a bit. And then props to Jason Reitman because Phoebe, this character, is, is pretty unique and awesome. And I was worried that the Finn Wolfhard character was going to be the typical teen douchebag mm-hmm. who 
fights with mom and sister the entire time. And he's not yeah. that. He's just like a normal kid. Uh, so props to that. That was they avoided the cliche, which I was dreading. I thought he yeah. was going to be a turd. Uh, me too. Do you have an MVP? <sighs> is it Paul Rudd? I, I I like Paul Rudd a lot in this, but he yeah. is not in it a ton, which is that's, one knock. Yeah, I, I that's the same. And I on rewatch, I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But it, right now, it feels like a bad thing. But it's not like a bad bad thing i will say though no i have to give the mvp to mckenna grace i thought she was she's awesome and she sold it and just her just her presence i liked following her around in terms of like what is she going to be up to Uh, and like i'm totally okay with her taking it over and like she becomes like the leader the new egon and you know, it's her and her brother. It's like a family affair. But yeah, I'm. that's why and who I'd give it to. I don't know who I'd give it to. I think I'd give it to her though. She's pretty great. Uh, I like I like that she's she's pretty young in this movie. And then you see her in interviews now and she's like 27 because <laughs> they delayed <laughs> this like 40s. They delayed this movie like 14 times. It's so, it's so wild because she's been in so many things too. Looking at her list... Before we started recording, I was blown away because I'm like, oh, wow. Like, she's got quite the the cast list uh, so far because I'm like... She's been, I, she's been cranking work at since the age of five. Well, because she... The first time I can remember seeing her was in Gifted with mm-hmm. uh, Chris Evans. and But, I mean, she's been in a ton of things, like most recently Malignant, Um and she just like you say cranks it out, and she's she's been in a ton of stuff. She seems to be pretty intelligent too, because the song I found this out because she was on the View, and uh, had, that was on the TV or whatever. So I'm watching her interview. Uh, she wrote, or she like made a song. I guess she sings too. So the, wow. the song in the end credits, that's her. Oh, the song she did. And then she co-directed the music video for it. Jeez. So she's doing all sorts of stuff that makes me feel like an idiot at age 36. That has not <laughs> done uh, very much with his life. So congratulations. Loves hates. Let's get into the villains. Ooh. We really just have one villain. It's the return of Gozer, a.k.a. Gozer the Gozerian, which is the villain from the 1984 original. Were you stoked to see the old Gozmeister back? Yes, and uh, Gozer got some plastic surgery. It seems. Did um, you think were you more attracted to Gozer in 1984 or in 2021? <laughs> oh man, probably the 80s. To be honest, I know there's something about the 80s one that's kind of hot. But I do. Um, I knew it was going to be somebody. I'm like, okay, I know Go from the previews. I was like, Gozer is somehow involved. I'm pretty confident that's probably going to be the the original villain. We're we're doing this full circle. We got to complete this big story arc. And I'm like, if Gozer's back, someone big is going to be playing Gozer. And it turns out to be Olivia Wilde. Were you shocked at all? Uh, yeah, actually. Big time. I don't know if I was shocked. I was like, oh, it's Olivia Wilde. And I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of hers. So I don't want to say I was let down, um, but it didn't do much for me. I, See, I, I think it's awesome that the characters came back. Uh because it just kind of makes sense. I could argue we could have had a different villain, but it also this 
does make sense. Yeah. Now there, it was so, it was interesting because of just like, Gozer in this just seemed like there was so much CGI added to Gozer. Mm-hmm. Like it was just not, not just the actress, but it was. It seemed more powerful too. Like she, yeah. It was, it was just taken more damage than I feel like it could have done in 1984. Maybe over time it's gained strength or something. I have, I have no idea. Yeah, now that I thought was interesting because Gozer, I think the power I liked better in this because it did seem, as you said, Gozer seemed stronger, but the look I liked better in the 80s. Uh, but I that was cool, though, that Olivia was in this. I, I do like, I, I really like Olivia Wilde, um, but it was, it was like short enough that it was cool, but it was also like, to a degree, she has to replicate this character since it was done in the 80s. Yeah. So it's it hard for her to do much else beyond the parameters that were set then. It's weird too, because these movies always end with them having to basically be in one tiny location blasting at a, at the enemy. <laughs> yeah. And there's not much to it, which makes me think in future installments, how much more can you do with this? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, here's where I think they could go in the direction of progressing the Ghostbusters brand and franchise. And it is literally playing hard on the Stranger Things idea, but it's where you've got this group and it becomes almost like detective work where they're having to solve, okay, is this ghost, the work of ghosts or or some other entity, or is this something else? And it's almost like Mythbusters meets Ghostbusters. It's a, merry, a merge of the two. Um and I feel like then you could end up changing it up and you could have some action. You could have more like mystery and puzzles and, and thrills like that. But I feel like this does set, this goes in a direction where it is approaching it in a good way. Uh, because a lot of it is like Phoebe trying to determine a lot of the uh, solving the puzzles of her dead grandfather and like, well, mm-hmm. how to do this and how to do that. So, but does she solve it without him literally giving her all the answers? Cause that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. And that's a problem. I do think how you like that, by the way, actually I did there, something weird about that made me feel like I was watching a movie from the eighties. It felt very ET like Steven Spielberg type, uh, mm-hmm. To, and especially the light, there's something to me. I, I actually got goosebumps w- during the light scenes where the light was like shining, and it felt not like a ripoff of certain movies from the 80s, but it, that hit me in the feels whenever that happened. I'm like, oh, I, I really like that touch. I kind of feel like they didn't dive deep enough into because at one point, Phoebe is like, I don't believe in ghosts or spirits or, or something. And then she's following around a freaking light that moves or <laughs> a chair that spins around and points her into direction. So clearly something is at play. Yeah. So I, I feel like we could have gotten into, there wasn't like a realization mm-hmm. uh, in really many of these characters that they were dealing with Egon, which is, yeah. or, or something. I feel like they had to have known who was helping them out. Um, loves hates. And this one was sadly freaking spoiling a, trailer for me it's bringing back og characters bill murray dan Aykroyd, and ernie hudson for i guess a slightly bigger glorified cameo 
So that was given away in the trailer? Yeah. So like a week and a half ago, I tell you, I'm I'm like, I want to watch this preview, but I feel like it's going to give away a massive spoiler. I watch it. It literally shows the characters, the three guys holding their guns. And then you hear, hear Bill Murray say, did you miss us? So I know I knew they were going to be in this movie. They because ha- they're doing all the promo for. It. I'm like they have yeah. to be in this. I didn't know they were going to suit up. So that was ruined. Shame on me for watching it. That's my own fault. Oh. I still enjoyed it. I will say, like the reintroduction to Ray on the phone, which I'm like, did Dan Aykroyd forget how to act? Like that felt strange to me. Something about it just felt mm-hmm. off. The whole yeah. thing. The return of the OG characters. And Bill Murray riffing on Gozer for like five minutes straight, it felt, it felt, um, it felt off in a way that was almost sad. It was like, hey, we're really reliving the greatest hits here, <laughs> and we're giving you what you want, but it's kind of where it's sad to see it at this point. You know, it's like the <laughs> high school jock that like can't move on. That's what it felt like to me. And as much as I love seeing them suit up again one last time uh something about this something about the return of them i just it, it was i'm a bit in between i'm mixed i'm mixed yeah that's interesting because did you feel sad in any way or am i just I, being an a i did no i did i did in a way it's like oh that's honestly i had the feeling like oh that's awesome that's really cool and I loved everything, but then it, when it gets to the point of the, like you said, uh, Murray just riffing on Gozer, I'm like, this seems very it's forced. I'm, 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 I guess I'm okay with it because if it is a bookend, then and it's years later, then I'm like, okay, like that's that. I guess is okay. Um, I guess, and it's not long. They don't spend too much time on it. Uh, so I think it is such a fan service moment that if anything, that's that's why they did it. And I, mm, I mean, it's a, it, it was okay. I did love them standing all next to each other. That I did not see until the movie. And even whenever we get like Harold the ghost, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was I didn't was expect some- that. I'll say I was genuinely shocked that we got. I thought we were, because at the beginning of the movie, we're getting Harold or we're getting Egon, but it's all in shadows. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, that's cool. I didn't expect that. Yeah. And then we get Ghost Egon. And it made me super nervous. I was super happy to see him. I'm like, it actually looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel, I was talking to a friend about this. I didn't feel emotional about it though, because I was on edge going, is he going to speak? Because if he speaks, I guarantee you that's going to ruin everything because it's not going to be right. Like you're just, it's some, it's going to put it over the edge where it doesn't sound right, doesn't look right. And thank God he doesn't talk. They, they, <laughs> Which almost I, makes it weird in a way that he's just not speaking. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that was really shocked to see Ghost Egon. I, you know, seeing that and the, uh, I thought that was really cool. I, I I thought that was really cool how they did that. But him standing there with the four, like, and it, it's the four of them total. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. And the fact that there's something too that makes it even more special where you've got one who is a ghost 
and now they're standing to all together as Ghostbusters. I'm like, oh, that something like that, that I could definitely see why that would make someone cry um, or how that would make someone cry. I, I will say I felt um, it got the feels, but I didn't feel like I was going to start crying. But I didn't, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I, surprised people are crying, to be yeah, honest. I, I did like, though, I did like uh, all four of them uh, together like that in that way. But um, the. I mean, the whole Egon story, too, and maybe this was the point. And I go back to why is he the bad guy in this? And there's a falling out. Because if you know the history of Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, you know, during Groundhog Day, they had a massive falling out mm-hmm. and did not speak to each other until Harold Ramis was basically on his deathbed. And that was the time that Bill Murray came and they made amends and Ramus passed away shortly after. So I wonder if they were channeling some real life things into the movie, which almost feels inappropriate in a way or weird in a way. I don't know if that was the intention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's it's still strange. I keep thinking about that. It's still strange to me. I, 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 did, I did dig it overall. I will say that though. It is. A, I, I feel like it is a good send off for Ramus and that mm-hmm. character, like and all these characters, but uh, especially him and what he brought, you know, to this entire franchise, helping write it and everything. So there's a, a surprising, I think, a surprising point of contention with viewers, some critics, a lot of critics. Um, it, it's the movie's fan service. The chief complaint being Hollywood can't stop digging <laughs> up the past. It can't do anything original. Do you loves or hates all of the nods to the original movies? I think, I guess my argument is this. I don't have an issue with it because aren't you making this movie for me, the person Mm -hmm. who really likes Ghostbusters or the millions of other people who love Ghostbusters? Aren't you making that movie for me? That's kind of why they're going down this road rather than just like a reboot and they tried to reboot it and they saw how people hated it. (laughs) I mean, I, I guess I understand some of the criticism on, oh my gosh, we can't, we have the sheriff saying, who are you going to call? Sure. That's a little eye roll inducing. I understand that. But there's so many like, this is very much a love letter to those original movies, I think in a good way. Yeah. I was thinking this too. The 2016 movie has a lot of callbacks to those original movies being you know, characters saying phrases from the original movies. I think this works better because it's set within the same world rather than the 2016 movie where you have Dan Aykroyd playing some random cab driver saying, <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Like it's, it just works better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just, I just don't have, I don't really have an issue with Phoebe finding a candy bar and Spangler's like suit because yeah. it's just, it's a fun callback i guess is the argument that if you've never seen the originals can you go into this and and come away feeling satisfied i think so i feel like there is enough of a movie here where you don't necessarily need to see those oh yeah if you see those though obviously you're going to walk out and and just have a lot more enjoyment and some some of the like small elements that were just spread in and out of this movie yeah, I, I could definitely see. And that's where like the idea of Hollywood going back and digging up the past for these movies. It depends. I think in the case of this, it works. And it they do they do enough 
where you can end up having a movie on its own and you don't have to go back and rewatch the other Ghostbusters. It's best if you do that mm-hmm. and then you lead into this movie, but I think it can stand on its own. And I think if anything, it gets people into this idea of possibly the love for the franchise and the characters and why they love it, you know, like sh- passing it down to ki- their kids or other friends or I don't know, someone else uh, to get them interested. So yeah, I, I, I'm not, I don't dislike that at all. Um, so I'll say that I loves the nods to the originals. I mean, I was thinking about this, look at a movie like Creed, which is something we love. It was very successful. Um, critics liked that movie. Mm-hmm. That's literally a remake of Rocky down to the final <laughs> fight and the outcome. Uh, so I don't really understand a lot of these complaints because that movie does the same things. Yeah. Um, uh, the movie passes the ghost-busting torch on to several newbies, as we've discussed. Where do you think the franchise goes next, considering how young these characters are, which is a concern of mine? Phoebe's very mm. young. Her brother's very young. How are these the new Ghostbusters? I think, like I said, it turns more into a ghost investigators type. Um, because the kids are growing up. They'll start growing up. And I think that they expand beyond Somerville, but I kind of wonder if it becomes like, it sounds dumb, but like a road show or traveling group or something like that. But obviously we'll get into this uh, here in a little bit, but I think it's setting up that there could be, um, you could say bureaus of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. That and would make the most sense. Yeah. I, I think like that's New York's what, not the only one having issues. I can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. Well, Jason Reitman said this. He said, Afterlife is, you know, closing the chapter on on the first story, those first two movies, and building the foundation of a new series of movies. And that includes stories with, like, people we haven't met and having those stories take place in new dimensions, cultures, and countries that we've never been to. So the idea, his idea at least, and this is done well at the box office, hopefully, hopefully it continues and we do more of these, is we finally wrapped up the original trilogy. Now we're free to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Ghost can be anywhere um, and be, anyone can be involved. So I think this opens the door up to whatever we want. I don't know where these characters come in next because they are so young. I don't necessarily want to see Phoebe suiting up and going out at age 12 <laughs> to fight Ghost. Like that seems a step too far, but we'll figure that out. I don't know where it goes, but I'm excited to find out. And I am, I am happy. We finally have an end to this trilogy <laughs> after <laughs> 37 years or something. What are you disappointed? So there's no Rick Moran as we talked about that. One oh. thing I was super surprised about, no Slimer. Yeah. Instead we get, what was it? Uh, ch- not Chunker. We get- <laughs> What's his name? Muncher. Muncher. Yeah. I was Which saying- all, all I can think about is butt munch. <laughs> he was uh i just love though how he's just like ch- chowing down on everything yeah i couldn't remember his name but um yeah and it was great he just starts spitting bullets uh nuts and bolts and yeah he's like a bullets. he's like a freaking machine gun so i, I thought <laughs> muncher was um a, a fun ghost uh and i i i'm not gonna lie and i know you probably created it to sell toys, but the, the the mini Stay Puffs, those things cracked me up. Oh, yeah. That whole Walmart scene I thought was fantastic. 
That was good. Next time I'm in a Walmart, it's going to feel like I'm in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I do love, though, Paul Rudd was so freaking happy to be walking in and getting his little pint of ice cream. I know. He, like, shifts into a stoner. <laughs> it was the... <laughs> like stoned out of his mind he's like jamoka <laughs> yeah i enjoyed that whole scene there's a lot of product placement in this movie by the way we were introduced to paul rudd and he's got a zaxby's cup yeah on the on the table i'm like oh i want to go to zaxby's now oh yeah that does sound good i i do want uh some jamoka ice cream <laughs> Which, by the way, we at our Walmart, we do have Baskin and Robbins ice cream, but there's Ooh. like three flavors. They had like 45 flavors at the Walmart he's at. So we need to, mine needs to upgrade a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. So let's rate this Ghostbusters Afterlife. We'll rate it out of um, five Ecto ones. Ooh. Hi-yo. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to have to go with four. Four out of five. I know that seems pretty high, but it's just, no, I that's had not fun high at it. all. Yeah, I, I know had, it's fun. Yeah, I had fun. It made me laugh a lot. It, it made me feel the feels. Um, and the cast is great. So, and Jason, Jay, I think Jason did a great job directing this. He did. I'm going to do three and a half because I still am very mixed on the Egon mm. stuff and, and, and a little mixed on the return of these OG characters. It just feels sad in a way but you know what i'm sure on rewatch i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a lot more fun with it which this yeah. is by the way this is a one that i would uh in a heartbeat go see in theaters again i was wondering yeah especially with uh, thanksgiving coming up because you'll have uh some actual time off if you think that you'll actually go see it again so well, we soon got, we got house of gucci that's going to take up some time so three hours I'm, is it really yeah, it's too. It's like with previews, it will be because it's two. I think two thirty six. Goodness, I was going to ask you. By the way, we should probably should have started this earlier. Um, I went on Thursday night. It was the second screening of the day, the seven o'clock showing. Maybe thirty five to forty percent filled, but I will say the people in the auditorium with me had a fantastic time. We had so many people dressed up as mm. Ghostbusters. It was definitely a crowd. It was a a, a mixed crowd too. Like. A lot of people my age, late 20s, mid 30s, we had people in their probably 50s, 60s that grew up, you know, they were adults when those originals came out, maybe a little older than 50s. I said 50s, 60s. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then uh, we did have some young, younger kids in that. So it was like a good mix of people. How was yours? I would say the same. It was interesting because there were, um, there was a nice, uh, man, I, because looking around the theater, there were two families, like literally giant families of rows eaten up by uh, two sets, uh, both to my left and right in front of me. Um, the theater was like maybe a quarter to a fifth sold out. So mm-hmm. it, not a lot. Um, you know, I've I've been in so far... Uh, more uh, movie show times that there have been more people inside, but uh, and there were a few college kids, a few uh, older like Gen Xers, and then uh, I think there's one older couple as well. So it was like a, it, it was a pretty diverse mix of people in there as well for me. Jamoka. <laughs> what is Jamoka, by the way? Well, I think it's like. Uh, 
actually, I have no idea. I was going to say it's a mix of mocha and, and uh, heck, I don't know, fudge. But that coffee. doesn't make sense because mocha it's, has fudge in it. Coffee ice cream with roasted almonds and chocolate flavored ribbon. This is a classic signature Baskin Robbins flavor. That's uh, at least I have to try Jamoka now because Paul Rudd's oh, Gary Gruberson said it. Gary had it with the blue velvet. I I can't find Jamoka at my Walmart, so <laughs> trust me, I tried. Well, that that wraps up Ghostbusters. I'm glad we both enjoyed it. Um, I guess next time, we, what do we got? December Pickles? House of Gucci, yeah. Uh, that's right. I, I'm sure, because I definitely want to see Gucci. Uh, but yeah, we've got uh, December picks coming up. I don't know a lot about like December release movies outside of Spidey. It's all like wrapped up around it. Spidey. Can you believe that? That's coming out. No Way Home comes out in like two weeks. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I'm kind of nervous about it. I really am. I think it's going to be a big poo-poo. <laughs> All right, wrap it up. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to that. Watch it be a huge disaster, though. Oh, that's what I'm worried about. I truly am worried that there are going to be a lot of problems, like story and all, but I am I am being serious. I think the special effects, because I keep hearing of all, and reading about how they had to hire out all this extra help for the special effects. I'm like, oh, great. This is not a movie you skimp on with that. It just makes me nervous. So, but yeah, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. So until next time, keep watching.